Hello, everybody, and welcome to Message of the Week. No, it's not Message of the Week. It's Wednesday Night Live. Debbie, how'd you let me say that? Message of the Week. That's what we do for France. But the thing we do for, for Brazil is called Principio, which is principal things, beginning things. I think that's how you say it. I don't know how you say it in Brazilian. I said a word to Luke the other day, and it was, uh, it, I forget which word it was. But, oh, I was talking about apostle. And I said, um, you know, everybody understands the word post that's in it and in that word. And it's to, to, deliver, a, to deliver a message. I said, even in France, you know, you, you have your, your postal service is known as the post. And he looked, he looked at me, you know, because he's on the screen. And he says, post. And he said, oh, post. And I thought, <laughs> Luke... I am never going to win. I'm just, I'm just never going to be able to, to say it. I, I've told this goofy story about Paul and I were over in, um, this was in the early days. We were in Chantilly, which is where that song Chantilly Lace comes from. But Chantilly, where they raise horses, and you can hear them early in the morning clip-clopping on the, on the pavement outside. It's really a nice place. But we drove outside of this lady pastor that was hosting us drove like a bat out of hell. Anywhere she goes, she could not drive slow. It was just take off and then. Urgh! So I, I, I sat in the front seat with her, which was really kind of a strange thing. But anyway, she took us to this meeting of young people. And there were probably 50 young people in there. They were late teens and 20s. And so I'm up there trying to speak to them. And, you know, they're looking at me like, who is this goofy American guy, this old guy? I don't, I don't know what he's saying. So I thought, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to break the ice. So I thought, what kind of funny story can I tell to these kids that they may know? So I thought of the Monty Python routine with the Holy Grail when they come up to this castle and those French guys are up there and they're slapping their helmets and they're going, and they're launching cows on them, which is really funny. So I start telling this story. Now, the, the translator is a woman who studied in England, so she knew this story, and she's laughing as she's translating it, but those kids are just looking at me. And after about five minutes, I recognized they don't know what in the world I'm talking about. I said, how many of you seen that program? None of them raised their hands. And I thought, this is craziness. This is perfect French mocking the British. You don't, you should embrace that with all gusto. And, and you know, it's also strange, you know, like you go to London and there on the West End still, they're showing Les, Mis, Les Miserables. But they don't do that in Paris. They don't show that in Paris. Why, I don't know, because it's about a revolution in Paris. And it's really a, a good theme about Frenchmen standing up and they're singing the songs and waving their flags. But because it's British, they don't do it in Paris, which is kind of interesting to me. But um, I was at the end, somehow I made it through that, through that thing with those kids. And we prayed for everybody. And so the next morning I had to speak at, at another place and um, I was talking and it was a different translator and I, I was talking about, I forget what I was saying, but I said, it, you know, people who are connoisseurs of certain things, 
are, you know, and for whatever reason I said it, and this translator just stopped. And she said, I didn't understand that word. I said, what word? It's, Can you repeat, please? And I said, people who are connoisseurs. She said, that word. I said, connoisseur. It's, it's a French word. Oh, and she said, oh, you mean connoisseur. And I thought, you know, we go into 7-Eleven, and the guy from India's in there, and he's speaking broken English, and we understand what he's saying, even though it doesn't make much sense. Thank you, come again. And, or we go, and there's a, there's a guy selling donuts, and he's speaking in an Oriental accent, and we're, we're saying, okay, you know, I can kind of understand. <laughs> but if I don't pronounce that word just right, it's like I'm speaking Swahili backwards. So I don't know why I've started this message this way. But it's great to um, it's great to be able to uh, to reach out across uh, the network, and we welcome everybody. And um, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in Isaiah 26. So uh, there's no teaching sheet tonight, so you're looking for one online to no avail. Uh, but we're going to be looking at verses two and three. These verses particularly have meaning for us at this time. And you're going to see why if you've been paying attention to any of the teachings we've been doing on the past number of weeks here on, on Wednesday nights. But let's, let's read verses 2 and 3 of Isaiah 26. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. We know that verse. I mean, we know, we know the third verse more than we know this passage in context. Uh, I, I have a, a little etching at my house that has this verse, and I have it up on the wall, and I see it all the time. It's just a really good verse. But we would think that just in our understanding as, as Christians, that this is a verse you would use when you are in troubled times and uh, you, you've got difficulties and maybe you're anxious about something. And you'd quote this verse to say, Lord, I want your peace. I want your serenity. And really, perfect peace would really be great because this life of mine is in chaos so I'm just going to keep thinking about you and I trust that you're going to bring peace to me that's the way we would normally understand this verse and of course if you do think of the Lord in troubling times he does bring a calm to you but this passage is not necessarily speaking to people who are on emotional overload this passage from its context, is talking about, think about that. Open the gates, the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, are coming. And God is going to keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in, in him. And then it goes on down through a lot of different promises about God bringing deliverance and God bringing victory. And so this, this passage means something a little bit different, or quite a bit different than what our English, when you just read it in English and pluck that verse out 
and stick it in the little box of cards you used to pull out at breakfast to read the promise. Um, that, that script, that's the beauty of the word of the Lord because it's alive and God will honor people who take the verse and believe um, it from an English translation rather than a deeper dive into what's actually being said. God's, I'm not trying to invalidate this promise because the promise is true in general, but this verse itself is speaking about something else. So let's look at just these two verses and see what God is truly saying in them. The first speaks about the righteous nation which keeps the truth. And they're going to enter in, and they're going to enter in through gates. So what does that mean? Keeping the truth is a word truth is the fulfillment of what God says at his right hand it's it's the it's the fulfillment of of it's the fulfillment of the right um, and and the right is translated throughout the Old Testament as belief it's translated as faith you remember that God spoke to Moses about him acting in belief and in faith and that is from the word that means right hand. The right hand in Scripture always represents God speaking something to us, either prophetically or in a promise that you then believe in. That's Abram who walked in faith, walked according to what God said prophetically to him at the right hand. And since we brought up Abram, we want to talk about him because God, Abram was the first one who God spoke about righteousness to. And this, that word righteous is found here. It's the righteous nation that keeps the truth. What was righteousness for Abram? Righteousness was when God showed him the stars in the sky and said, I'm going to make your, your heritage more numerous than that and as numerous as the sand in the sea. And even though Abram was childless, he saw that vision and he believed God and God said, this is righteousness. So the people of God who walk in faith, we're the children of Abraham, he's the father of all who walk in faith, are a people who are in communion with God. They hear from him prophetically promises, which is at the right hand of God, which is incidentally where Jesus is positioned after he ascended to heaven. And there he prays for us continually that we will fulfill the will of God in our lives. So there's a, there's a connection between faith and righteousness because when you are hearing from God and you're believing him and he's giving you precious promises, many of them prophetic, you are envisioning the fulfillment of what he's promising and you're laying claim to it. And God says you're walking by faith and you're a righteous person because you're believing what I'm showing you. Those two are connected a lot in Scripture. And they're connected here in verse 2. So there is a righteous nation, a nation of people who watch and believe what God shows in vision, what he proclaims over them. Because they are keeping the objective of fulfilling the truth or fulfilling what he said at the right hand. And they, they are going to enter in through these gates. Now remember in Scripture, that, you know, the Bible talks about doors. The Bible talks about gates. The Bible talks about windows. 
and um, the, 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 the windows are places where God pours out something to you that either you're anticipating or may not be expecting. But they're kind of like gifts from heaven and blessings come through that at God's discretion. Gates speak about exterior boundaries, whether it's a nation, whether it's a, uh, a dimension of some sort that God's wanting to walk in for you. But it speaks about on a grand scale something being open and available. Doors speak about commune. They speak about the interior. They speak about what isn't mattering to you in your house. You know, you think about in, our, in, in your house where you live. Some of you may have fences and gates. And so you enter the gate, which means you're entering the property. But when you're entering the door, that's entering into the place where you live. And there are doors inside that as well. So those three things uh, are, are more than symbolic. They're, they're active, they're active, functional definitions for the way God moves and does things in his kingdom. So this righteous nation is going to have gates open to them. And they're going to enter in and they're going to know blessing. So I would clarify here that the righteous nation is a people who've been hearing from God. People who have been um, keeping what he said at the right hand and are devoted to seeing that fulfilled in faith. So you've got the combination of that. They keep the truth and they are acting on the vision and the promise of God. To these people, gates are going to be open. Now, I think that really describes what God has made possible for us as a network for um, places in our country that are opening, uh, the nations in the world that God is taking because of the fact that we've been communing with him in intercession. He's been speaking things to us. He's been clarifying things to us at his right hand. We're doing our very best to fulfill what he says there. And we're acting on the vision that God gives. And there, we're, it's a saintly nation. So God is opening up gates for us. And we are, we are entering into them. The next verse is the one that really is chock full of operational promises and things that have a great deal of meaning for us. Um, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Let's talk about this. Let's start with what it means to be in perfect peace. If you have, if you have a, uh, you know, Bible program or, or whatever, you'll notice that perfect is, is not in there. It's actually a double issuance of shalom. It's shalom, shalom. And anytime there's a double issuance of any word in Scripture, it speaks about intimacy. Like when God says, Moses, Moses, or Abram, Abram. It's, it's something, Samuel, Samuel. It's something where you're, he's coming and um, he's, he's wanting to speak to you on a more intimate level. And what he's going to say is, is very much a, a, an integral, integral part of who you are. And he's dealing with you in a very 
deep measure it's more than just a surface measure and so anytime there's a double issuance oh like when jesus looked out over the city and said jerusalem jerusalem and he with tears in his eyes spoke about how often god wanted to gather them together as a hen would gather chicks and how the prophets had come and they'd rejected him and then they were rejecting him he was speaking to that city from a very deep love and concern so anytime there's a double issuance in scripture which means a back-to-back -back kind of a thing even when he says verily verily i say to you truth truth i say to you he's saying pay specific attention to what i'm talking about now because it's revealing something that is has been hidden that is now going to be open and it has a very specific meaning for you personally that's a good study to do the verily verilies but the double issuance always means that and um, it's kind of difficult to search this i searched for about 20 minutes and i i can pretty safely say that i i, I don't think there's any other double issuance of peace in the bible of shalom and so when you talk about perfect peace it's talking about shalom shalom and what that really means remember it's not just a mindset of calm and serenity now it is it is that you have received a task or a mission of some sort you're going out you're going to accomplish the thing and you're going to come back and you know people say that just generically when you know, somebody's leaving or they're going to go out to go to the grocery store or what, wherever they're going. You want them to go out in safety, accomplish their mission, and come back. But in the very deepest sense, it really is a task that God is entrusting to you. And you're going to go out and you're going to, you're going to do it and you're going to come back. The Prince of Peace is our Lord Jesus Christ. We're walking with him now. He's doing a lot of things. And we, we are partnering with him as the son of god and as as our elder brother to 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 work these works of the father as intercessors and as saints in this hour so peace means that so for the righteous nation which keeps the truth the promise to them is that they are working very closely very intimately with god in a mission of peace and so we we have to how do we how are we uh, kept in peace peace well let's look at the other words and then when we translate when we speak of the definitions of these words then we'll see how it all fits together to keep is to guard over this word is used to talk about the guarding over of a storehouse the guarding over of a vineyard the guarding over of a treasure so god is not just sustaining even though he does not just watching over us even though he is but he is keeping he is guarding over this intimate partnership in peace that we as a righteous nation have engaged in now let's keep looking whose mind is stayed on thee mind is a derivative well, it's, it's actually not even a derivative. It's just a direct connect with the word that we talked about in a recent Wednesday Night Live that spoke about God forming the light. Remember the forming of the light? He created darkness. 
the forming of his ways means that you mold it into shape like a like a potter or an artisan and you prepare it in a very precise way to to be uh, used in a unique way it's it's like a masterpiece or an artwork and what we studied in that past lesson was that God forms his ways or his light or who he is into such an intricate way to specifically be known by us and utilized by us and to partner with his ways to address the darkness that he created so this word our mind our thinking has to be in alignment with that forming whatever God has this righteous nation directed from the right hand of his throne whatever God has given as a mission of peace that is on a an international or a national basis God is guarding over that and our responsibility is to keep our mind and our imagination connected with what he has formed isn't that wonderful and it goes on from there it says that our mind is stayed now if you were to look this word up you'll see that so often a majority of the times this word is speaking about grabbing hold of something or using the hand to secure something or to obtain something uh, it it really means to steady by the hand or to acquire by the hand or or to uh, to secure by the hand what does the hand mean in scripture we've studied this it it means to partner with God the hand in the New Testament is empty and that's when God extends his hand he's extending it in fellowship in invitation for someone to partner with him and the hand means the winter it means the storm it means the valley uh, and and those are all beginning points something that is empty but something that is going to endure so that it can know a point of victory so whenever the hand of the Lord is extended it is extended initially to someone for partnership so when this word is used it's not the word for the hand but it is the word that implies the hand being used in a certain way so if our mind is stayed on the Lord that means that our hand is firmly grasping his so there's the partnership there's the there's the embracing of what God has formed in the depth of his his heart that we have embraced that it, with our mind and our thinking we we are partnering with him in an assignment of peace and it's not simply that it has now become a very deep relational contact and commune between us and God to where God would keep us in an intimate a peace peace very a rare instance of this and God guards over that God watches over that so and and, and who's who is this group that he's talking about the righteous nation who is absolutely set 
on preserving and delivering what God has said at the right hand. To them, gates are opening. So this is, this is a treasure chest of meaning for us. And the understanding it and knowing this is a great source of meat for us. But my, my question is this. How do we, um, how do we keep our mind stayed? Now you'll notice in italics there on the. Whenever you see, usually in this in the, the King James, when there's an italics, that means that it it's not really there in the original. It's just added for perceived flow by the translators. So basically what this is saying is shalom, shalom, and your mind is, uh, you know, that forging, that imagination being uh, melded with what God has prepared in the light, um, and you, you grasp onto it. Your hand is there. How do, you keep, how do you keep that partnership with God and the mind secure? So if we, if we were saying this just with the words defined, um, let's say that God is going to guard over this intimate covenant of peace, peace, and it's our job to keep our thinking, our thoughts, according to what God has forged, and that we hold on to that, knowing that it is the partnership with his hand. And... That's what we have to do. Now, only we can do this. We have to stay in commune with God. We have to spend time with Him. And we have to, we have to, this is where searching for Him comes in. Because it's, there are some days, we talked about it, where you, you come into this place or in your house and you just, you just, are seeing God. He's just everywhere. And then there are some days where you come in and you're going to pray, but you think, man, it's it may be cold outside, but it sure feels cold in here. And you have to keep pressing on according to what you know he said at the right hand, what you know your mission is, and you have to be confident that he is there guarding over you even though you may not be feeling him in the depth that you felt yesterday or the day before. And sometimes the searching for God is you just waiting on him, acting as if you know and it's true that he is there whether you feel anything or not and the searching is really being available and being in the place you know sometimes i know fabian probably sends the twins into their room to go find something they go in and do a a courtesy look and they come back out they leave that's not searching did you look yes I bet it's in there. You walk in, you look around, and in 10 seconds, there it is. It's right here. I didn't see it. Sometimes we search for God that way. 
you know, we we pray for a little bit. Oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where he is. And he's right there. And sometimes it's just staying in the place and working out whatever it is that you need to work out. Sometimes the searching is you finally getting honed in to where you can actually see him. He's there. The still small voice is speaking, but you've got so much clutter going on that, you know, you just aren't registering. And so the way we keep our formed, our thoughts formed, is by remembering that we are partnering with him. We've taken him by the hand, that he is guarding over us. We are sons who are functioning as the righteous nation. We are you've got to remember you've got to remind yourself of all these things because life isn't going to remind you the work co-workers aren't going to remind you very often in the in the the, the the life itself isn't going to remind you and sometimes you're not going to remind yourself so you've got to take responsibility and know that all of these things are actually happening and make sure that you know, one of the biggest, the, the biggest ways of, of searching for God is really searching for the identity that you are. You know? Sometimes you've got to remind yourself who you are in God and what He's called you to do. And if you're not doing that, how in the world do you expect to find Him? You know? He's there with you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. But... It's, it's the reminding. And especially in this season when we're on the precipice of so many breakthroughs, so many theaters of operation that we're working on right now, putting things in place, talking with leaders in places, establishing prayer times here and in other places for various theaters of operation that are, that are scheduled. They, they're going to happen. And they're amazing things. Sometimes in the middle of all that, you can, you can be facing oppositions. You can be facing weariness. You can be facing frustration that things aren't going the way they really should be because this person over here who said they'd do this either forgot about it or just wasn't listening. And I'm pointing over there to where there's nobody. Um, and, you know, so you think, okay, I'm going to have to go through this all again and I'm going to have to not act like I'm frustrated. And so you, you reach out again. You know, I, I care. Oh, I can't give that illustration. <laughs> well, I guess I can. There's one place we're going, and, and I, I had a meeting with these two guys on, online, and I took copious notes of the things that we had established. About a month later, I got a note from them saying, okay, so when, what, uh, how many meetings are going to be and where are we going to do this and and I thought I I I was angry I, it came up and I put it under the blood immediately and I said okay let me review the notes from our meeting that happened and I said the date here they are right here we're having six meetings and we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this and they're just looking at me and I think they realize, yeah, we did talk about this. We just didn't, weren't paying attention. So, you know, you can, you can get, you can, you can just, and the enemy knows how to press that. But, but 
it's just not even the things that people do. Sometimes there, there's just the, the influence in the spirit realm, the darkness we talked about, where you're supposed to be exerting that light that God formed, and you're the representative of it because his light is going to shine on you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is following that light. All of these verses, you are the light of the world. Let men see your light and then glorify your good works. Uh, see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, it's up to you to, to, uh, to secure that. You know, one time when Jesus was talking about the lighthouse you're a city set on the hill and then he speaks about he speaks about don't hide your candle and he uses three different illustrations one of them has to do with laziness one of them has to do with business and one I have one of them has to do with forgetfulness it's up to you to preserve this light that God has given you and you have to know that he is watching over this mission that he's given you and you are partnering with his hand because that's the way he chose to move. He always looks for an intercessor. He always looks for someone that uh, will, will partner with him. We've seen that throughout scripture. And, and so he chooses to do this through you. And it's a good thing, it's a wonderful thing. But it's up to us to remember that all of these things are happening. So it's not like, it's it just shalom, shalom. God is guarding over the shalom, shalom. Mind is stayed. <laughs> That's it. The forming of your thought process in alignment with God is firmly entrusted to your hand holding on to it and knowing that that's a partnership with God. Now, the last part of it is because he trusts in me in thee and there every one of those words is there but trusting there is that is a really beautiful word because it means it can mean that there's no doubt it can mean that there's not even the the thought that what he said is not going to happen it's kind of like the trust it's used in some places to talk about the trust that a child has for its parent or, you know, it, the one that's over oh, uh, supervising them at a time, guarding over them. You know, kids don't even, they don't even think a lot of times. Sometimes they overthink. Sometimes they give place to fear and they keep peppering you, you know, and you're saying, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. But most of the times, kids just trust the fact that you're driving and you're not going to run into anybody. Kids just trust the fact that there's going to be food to eat. Some kids just trust that, you know, and that's a good thing. And that's what this word is. It's that we're just, we're trusting God. What he said to us, he's going to do. The mission we've committed to is going to be every part of it it may not be the exact way that we think it's going to be how many times does that happen i mean even the great prophets you know god moves in suddenlies and it's a surprise when it happens you know it's going to happen you don't know the time but but you know god is kind of that way you just you just trust him that it's going to happen 
but don't get too set on the details or the timing because God is real stingy with both of those. So you're just trusting him and you, you are in this mission of peace. It's an intimate release. God's guarding over it. Your job is to keep your mind in alignment with what he has forged for the pathway and for the partnership with his spirit and light. You are a, a nation that is functioning on behalf of righteousness. And you are a people that are devoted to fulfilling what God said at his right hand. To those people, these gates are going to open and there are going to be regions and nations that are going to be um, are going to be open now they're going to enter in why is this righteous nation who is in a covenant with god peace peace who has the forging of the light and who's trusting why is it, why are these gates opening well you can see that in our life and in what god's doing with this network you know i i use this as an illustration i mean when europe opened god brought us in there and there were people there who were wanting what God had given to us. That's why the righteous nation enters. You're, you have an influence, you have authority, but, you know, if, if our nation learned anything, which I don't think it does, we just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We think that if we go in and shock and awe a Middle East nation that suddenly we, we can say job complete it's done not realizing that if you don't if you don't convert and train the indigenous people to actually welcome democracy and do what needs to be done that nation is gonna not only fall into chaos but there are wicked groups that are trained and are devoted and they'll ISIS their way right in there or Daesh or whatever group is in there. And we call that Al-Qaeda. Uh, but, you know, you can't just go in and start declaring and blowing shofars and taking authority over things if you don't establish a people that are going to live in that house and welcome the Father. That's what Jesus said about when an unclean spirit goes out of someone they roam about dry places looking for a place to rest and they say I'm gonna go back to the place that's mine and they come and look and if it's if it's not functioning they'll get counsel and they'll go in and it'll be worse seven times worse than it was so it's not just we're gonna come in through these gates and we're gonna take authority and establish uh, strongholds for the kingdom you you've got to give to the people the training of how you got there you've got to introduce them to their partnership with that God wants with them you've got to teach them how to wait on God and intercede you've got to give them the tools and the gifts that God has freely given you share with them the milk and then the meat uh, instruct them pattern impart you've got to You've got to do something to introduce them to their calling as sons. What it means to partner with God. Because, and they may say, it's too hard. 
They may say, you come over, send people so that they can do it, which we've heard many times before, to which we rejoined, you know, it's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and guess what? You are that one, and this wilderness can be turned for the kingdom. You're going to have to take a stand. You're going to have to stand in the gap. We can't come over here and stand for you. You have to do it. But that's how the righteous nation, when God opens up the gates of opportunity, you go in and you, you depict this. You can't just teach it. You've got to be living it. Because the people will know right away whether you're living it or not. Now, here's another thing you've got to be careful in when you go and you begin to partner with indigenous people. They're going to want to become friends with you. They're going to want to become confidants with you. And that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Because when familiarity comes, then the, sh the, 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 the sharpness of your sword is somehow dulled. And there, there's going to be a grappling between what made you and what you represent in the way of seeking God and them wanting to fellowship with you all the time. And so when we go places, you have to almost, because they're wanting to fellowship, they're wanting to entertain, they're wanting to know you, they're wanting to stay up late, they're wanting to go do this and want to go do that. And we have to insist, we got to pray. You know, can you meet us in the morning at 8 to pray? Can you, can you, can we have a gathering with your people, not to eat, but to pray? We can eat afterwards, but to pray. Because if you don't hold to that, you're just going to have made a lot of friends, and you're going to have places to go and visit overseas or in cities. So the righteous nation has to demonstrate these things, and it's not enough to come and have a couple of eye-popping services where people are feeling the glory and they're falling on the ground and they're receiving divers tongues if you don't insist upon these principles they will water away and you'll lose your opportunity we've seen that happen a number of times and it is regrettable now i'm not saying that you know we're necessarily blamed for that but but what i'm saying is it's up to the people to embrace this you can't coerce them to do it but you've got to pattern it and say, come along with me. Let, let's do this. And then insist that they do it. But you can't make them do it. You know, there's, there's a, there's, there are a lot of groups around the world that just like to be um, uh, conveners of whatever the latest and greatest visitation of God is. And, you know, and, and that's good. We bless other ministries. We, we bless them. But we have a responsibility for this calling. And I, I happen to believe that this is the key to every chapter in every, in every book in the Bible. And this is what God really wants. And this is what he's doing at his throne right now. And, um, you know, there's some times where people get tired of doing this. Have you ever gotten tired of doing this? I have, and then you've got to you've got to devote yourself and do it. And sometimes when these people get tired and they hear there's some big shindig coming 
from overseas and they go there and man everything's bright and rosy you know we're just going to sing a few songs and make a few declarations and now the city's going to be changed and oh that's a whole lot easier than praying every day that's a whole lot easier than seeking god and waiting that's a whole lot easier than standing in the gap when the enemy wants to blow you out of that gap i'd rather do this and pretty soon they say you know we just want to be your friend we love you but we really don't want to do this anymore and you know that's a terrible thing. I bless those folks. God still loves them. I'm not damning them. I'm not cursing them. But it's at that point where you've got to apply what Jesus says when he says, if you go into a city, you go and you search out those where the peace of God is, where they're willing to embrace the calling that God has given, the assignment. And if they're not willing to do it, you Bid them Godspeed, shake the dust off your feet, and go somewhere where they will. And he even says then, when you go to a place, you stay in that place. You don't hop from house to house. So that really is saying this, two things. One, in the natural way, if you're staying in a two-bedroom apartment and somebody who lives in a palace says, hey, come over and stay with us. We have a, we have a butler that will cook meals for you. Don't leave those dear people that first welcomed you to go and live in... Uh, the five-star chateau where Fabian and his family live. Um, but the other thing is, you stay with those people and you build that foundation with them because it's going to take some time for them to embrace and to become. That's really the difficult, that's the most difficult part of our mission. It's, it's not necessarily going and knowing all the activations and knowing what God wants you to declare, that's, that's easy. That's exciting. That's easy. But it's really making disciples. That's a challenge. It really is. And it's a good challenge. But if you don't, if you don't know this is what you're up against, you're going to be You're going to be discouraged because it's going to look like you made a mistake. You know, how many times did, did Jesus make a mistake with the rich young ruler? Remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus by night and said, you know, I've done all these things since my youth. I've kept the scriptures. I've given alms. I've, I've done all these things. And, and Jesus said, okay, one thing you lack. And it was specific for him. You've got to sell everything and you've got to follow me, which is the same thing he basically said to all the other disciples. This guy just had more chickens in the, in, the, in the hen house. And he went away sad. The guy rejected the calling. Was that Jesus' fault? No. And so sometimes you've got to reflect, uh, did I do everything that I should have done? Did I, did I pattern this? And you, you bless people. God still loves them. I'm not saying they lose their salvation but you know this is what has to happen to change a city this is what has to happen now sometimes people also say well you know what I really don't I don't really I don't really think this thing is working for me I want to do this we bless them too but this is our this is the calling and this is what God's guarding over and this is what we've been entrusted to do so 
it's not enough just to go through the open gates, but you've got to pattern this thing, and you've got to bring people along, and you know, that's uh, that's that's why we keep trying to find ways to reach back into these nations. That's why we spend time. It's why I was up there tonight doing a broadcast. That's why Yawali is working overtime to try to keep this message and keep the encouragement to these folks. Keep seeking God. Keep praying. Keep uh, welcoming the intercessory capacities because they're going to have to stand. And they, they are and they will. Um, I, um, I love the testimonies of, of so many of the folks that have really done this and have become champions of the saints. You know, every week, I'm, I'm just going to mention, I mentioned Luke earlier, but Luke and Sylvie made a commitment to God, and they live this. And it's not been easy, but they've lived it. And through that, they're impacting people, and they're impacting other cities. And it, it's, it's just as it did for us, this revolutionizes your life and makes you to function in the way that God really created you to function. And once you know this, it's I, I don't understand how you can ever go back. I've never understood that. Never understood how, like there was one church that came up against some opposition in Arizona. And um, they just said, I'm done. We're not doing this. And that the church even collapsed. And it was a big, it was a good, thriving church. And they, some of the people said, well, what do we do with these things we've learned? Well, and, and they said, well, if you're coming into this church, you just got to forget all of that. I don't see how you can forget this. I, I don't really see how you can. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm just, I'm just reading the box score. This is what was said. Once you come into the light, how can you... How can you abandon it? How can you? I know, I know there are there, there are influences that would try to get you to abandon it. You know, go back into the fellowship mode of church. Go back into, you know, just kind of being entertained and, you know, doing nice benevolent things every now and then, making sure your pot roast is ready for the next potluck. That's all good. Look, I grew up with that. I pastored that. That's that's fun. But it's it's you can have all those things and still do this. So well maybe not now since we're fasting so. <laughs> I don't know why it is that when I'm fasting, Chick-fil-A keeps sending me stuff every day. Come and get free food. They tell me today, this guy up here at White Rock sends me something, says, come and get free breakfast today. Uh, no. <laughs> then they said, a treat for you. Come and get this item. Get a free salad. No. A salad wouldn't be bad. It's that dressing, as I'm reminded at home, that's about 2,000 calories. So, uh, but that's, I'm not on a diet, just fasting. It's just food. <sighs> so, anyway. All right, well, I think I've just, righteous nation this thing as far as I'm going to go um, but I, I encourage you to read these verses I think these are words for us particularly that that aspect of the double issuance of peace and us 
making sure that our mind is properly affixed to what God has formed. That's important. Because if you just read this in English, see, I said I was down Eminem, but I'm not. You got your hopes up for nothing. <laughs> your sister's laughing right now. Um, <laughs> you know, if you read this in English, you think, okay, I just got to keep thinking about God. I got to keep thinking about God. I got to keep thinking about God. And you should be thinking about God, but in thee is not in the original there. You got to keep your mind aligned with what he has refined. <laughs> Write that down, Denise. Um, you got to keep, you got to keep uh, your mind with what he's forged in accordance with his light. And it's up to you to do that. Your mind has to submit to the things of the spirit. The Bible says the natural mind is at enmity with those. So you've got to remember that and you've got to keep that in line. The heart is also desperately wicked. Who can know it? That steering wheel of your life. You've got to make sure that baby doesn't get out of alignment. And you've got to, you've got to keep going on the right pathway. So you've got to keep your, 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 your mind focused on what God has said. Because he's guarding over this mission of peace, peace. And you've got him, his hand is upon this. And so you've got to remember all these. You may want to just go home. It's only two verses. You have Bible programs. Just write out, you know, if you write out Strong's, it may not say exactly this, but you've got to know that I looked at six lexicons today and I clarified these words. So don't just say, oh, I see it in Strong's. I don't see that anywhere. That doesn't mean that I'm just sloughing off and making it up, much to your chagrin. But just write this down and keep it as something that you need to focus on in your daily life because God has entrusted something to you. He is intimate with you. He loves you. He's guarding over this. He's given you his spirit, and that light has been forged. Let your mind come into an alignment with that and trust that, just trust and know as a child would trust a loving parent that it's going to be okay. You're the righteous nation. The gates are open. That's our mission. Now I'm done. Heavenly Father, bless this and even the silly things I said. Um, and help your people to keep moving forward in you. We love you and we are partnering with you and we're happy to be doing that. We ask your blessing on this in the name of Jesus. And bless these people both in this house and across our network. Thank you for such a strong army, such a strong family. What a gift it is to us and what a God you are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 